If you or someone you know is struggling with substance abuse or your mental health, you can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Welcome to the Grand Rapids Local History Podcast. I'm Matthew Ellis. I'm Jessica Kroll. And I'm Travis. Today we're going to talk about beer. Today we're going to talk about beer. Beer, brewing, and prohibition. And and how it came about in Grand Rapids. Um, that, that refreshing noise you just heard was a, a, a small can of tonic water being cracked open. And it has quinine. Delicious. Not that good. Now it won't get malaria. <laughs> now you won't get malaria. Well, I, no one's no one's consumed it yet, so don't uh, perhaps knock on wood is what okay. I would do. So Grand Rapids, for for better or worse, is known as Beer City, and regardless of your feelings on that, uh, it does have a history that goes back a number of years, and and uh, we're going to talk about that. Do we know when? the the term or the name beer city was first first applied to grand rapids i want to say it was pretty recently because it was a national poll or something oh, in a magazine wow. i think did we steal the name from another city i think milwaukee has milwaukee. also been named beer city hmm it looks like uh the beer city usa poll we 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 won that poll in 2012 oh cool and in 2013, and uh, it was embraced. And I think that ever since then, even if we don't win, they just kind of continue yeah. calling us that. We were, you know, we were, we were Beer City. It's like a yeah. president that can always be true. Mr. President. So you, know, you don't have to do that for long. And and I have a question for Matthew. Mm-hmm. Um, again, not not in your notes, and and I uh, maybe I'll just do this often. But <laughs> um, my question for you. I, I heard that there was a spring on Fountain Street at some point, or near Fountain Street. Not the one slightly north that you did mention, but one right. off of or adjacent to Fountain Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there was there were springs all along that. It used to be a, a, ver- a steeper hill, and there were springs going all, all along towards um, North Monroe by, by Coldbrook. Nice. Um, I thought you were going to ask if there was a spring that flowed with beer. I thought that's where that question was going. Oh. I, why? <laughs> I don't know. That's just what came to my head. That is very... Uh, okay. Well, that's a unique thought. You know? Where the springs flow like beer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So those things are out of the way. I'm glad to hear it. I had heard the springs... Uh, it was my goal a number of years ago to, to ride my bike up. Uh, Fountain Street without without stopping, and um, I was able to do it. I doubt I could do it now. I don't doubt. I know I could not do it now. <laughs> it's but, a steep hill. But That's... having a spring fed spring to take a sip of of water that would it's not so bad. I'd, I'd want to stop. That's that's where a lot of places got their water from. Is they would they would build directly on top of springs. A lot of the early brewers built their locations where they were because they were directly on top of springs um, for the fresh water that they could use in their products. I like it. That's a a super smart idea. When did we, when did we have the first note of a brewer in Grand Rapids? How'd that start? So the, the first brewer in Grand Rapids came from England. Uh, He was named John Pannell, I think Pannell, 
I think that's an English sounding. We'll go uh, with it. Yeah, John Pennell. Um, that was 1836, and he had a uh, kind of a smaller uh, brewery on the east side of Kent Street, just north of Lyon, and that would be kind of where the Fifth Third Bank uh, rock wall they're, that they're uh, taking down. Right. Um, okay. So and, in the heart of downtown. Oh, yeah. Or what would yeah. become downtown. Yeah. Okay. It was only a village at that time, so it was a lot smaller. Sure. And he brewed a uh, very hoppy beer, uh, and they call it an English hop beer. I'm okay with that. That makes sense. It was a happy beer, and uh, John Pennell was from England. Yeah, I feel yeah. like they nailed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but the brewers after um, Mr. Pennell were mainly German. Um, a lot of German immigrants came uh, and set up breweries. The uh, first German brewer, uh, Christoph Kusterer, came in 1849. I, I had a note here that he had a very excellent mustache. Wow. Um, I, I saw a photo of him, and it was it was glorious. Well, mustache. Yeah, good it was, for him. It was, it was great. But he uh, was trained in Germany as a brewer, and he was credited with being the first lager maker in Grand Rapids. Um, so he started on the west side of the river, um, which was surprising to me because it wasn't very developed on that side. But he eventually kind of partnered with John Pennell, and then eventually bought out Pennell's stake in the company. Um, so he was the sole owner. And then moved his operation um, to kind of the corner of Michigan and Ionia. I think where, is that kind of where the state of Michigan building, yeah, office yeah, building is right now? Yeah, government buildings yeah. there, sure. Uh, one, one really interesting thing that I, I saw was that he, um, there was a famous cruise liner or a steam liner that went down in a storm on Lake Michigan in 1880. And he was on it. He was returning to Grand Haven from Chicago. And so he uh, oh, no. went, went down with the ship um, there. But his company lived on. And his name lives lives on to this day. I, I believe I recognize that name from uh, another German beer brewing company around town. Oh, well. And uh, I feel like I've seen the name. So I'm paying some, some homage. Probably from the Grand Rapids Brewing Company. It could be. And I was going to not name names. Oh, sorry. But uh, Cedar Springs Brewing Company, oh. I believe, has a, a German beer focus and also, I believe, has a, a Kusterer. Oh. Although I, both may. Well, I mentioned Grand Rapids Brewing Company because the Kusterer Brewing Company eventually merged with five other brewing companies to create the Grand Rapids Brewing Company. Five other brewing companies? Yeah. Wow. Wow. And that was back in the mid to late 1800s? Yeah, so they, they um, that was late 1800s. 1895 was when uh, the six local breweries combined to form the Grand Rapids Brewing Company. What were those? Do we know what those five brewing companies were that uh, before the, the merger and acquisition? So there was the Kusterer Brewing Company. There was, um, I think, the Michigan Brewing Company. But I'm not sure what the other ones were. I didn't find any any note. There was a few other. There was uh, the Union Brewery. It was located on Division. Um, that started in 1862, uh, started by George Brandt. Um, there was an Eagle Brewery on Stocking that was started in 1876. So we have, boy, on Division, that would have been close to Division Oaks, or in essence, the intersection of Division and Oaks, if I'm not mistaken, for the Union Brewery. At yeah. 87 South Division. Yeah, I think um, I think I heard that it was kind of where the Harris Building is okay. now, I believe. Okay. 
And then Eagle Brewery, you said, was on the west side. Yeah. On, on stocking. Yep, that was on stocking. And okay. that was started by uh, Jacob Viet. Do we know? So there's a few breweries that were on the west side. Do Did they have access to the same spring water? Or is that kind of a reason that some merged or migrated east? Yeah, I, it, it was lower land on the west side. And I'm not sure. Some of it was, was kind of swampy area. So I'm not sure if they had access to the same same good quality fresh water that the the east side of the river had and so that's why i'm guessing that they merged to form in that michigan uh and ionia location take advantage of that delicious spring water we have here in michigan yeah and the the, uh local breweries the six local breweries were all german owned that that formed the green so they all abided by the german purity law What's the German purity law? Ah, I was hoping you'd ask. Well. <laughs> <laughs> the German purity law is called the Reinheitsgebot, and it's brewed in accordance to the uh, original beer recipe, basically. So hmm. to be considered a true German beer, it's brewed with only four ingredients, which is water, barley, yeast, and hops. Wow. Uh, most beers that are brewed today are also brewed with uh, malts, other flavorings, or they might have off flavors in them or some of them might be contaminated and contaminated beers are just sour beers oh yeah oh, wow okay yeah wow i'm not a fan of sour beers i've started to really like sour beers oh, no i think they're very tasty okay what's a, what's an example of a sour beer Speci- okay so jolly pumpkin is specifically brews okay. uh, so, uh sour beers but they're they're basically when they're brewed uh, brewed in um open rooms so huh. like they're not sealed off so they can get contaminants in them and stuff this is just my basic understanding of how they're brewed but they're i mean they're sour it's like a sour candy and Mm, most of them are most of them are fruity and like lighter flavors but they Mm. also have i tried a uh, stout i think a sour stout once that was very interesting yeah i like the fruitier ones but it's not for me (laughs) My, my palate is either too refined or not refined enough to appreciate sour beers some of the beers that have um off flavors in them off flavors are i mean you can add off flavors later but they're basically different flavors that alter the state and the taste of a beer Hmm. i took a brewing class in college and that sounds fun it was so much fun the professor had a day where we added off flavors to the beer and there was one that was like banana flavored and i know cedar springs brewing one of their beers has a banana oh, off wow. flavor in it. One of the off flavors is, I, I don't know if it is lactic acid, but it's similar hmm. to lactic acid, and it gives it kind of a rotten, cheesy taste. It's really <laughs> gross. You're not selling me. <laughs> yeah, that, does, that doesn't sound appealing. <laughs> it was pretty bad. But... Was that a, a, a banana-flavored f- pun? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. You're welcome. <laughs> By the end of the Civil War, we had... Four breweries here in Grand Rapids? Yeah, four major breweries. Um, these these were the big ones. Um, there was Cooster City Brewery, um, George Brandt's Union Brewery, Peter Werich's uh, Michigan Brewery, and then the Gottlieb and Gustav Christ's G&H Christ Brewery. And that last one, the there was three brothers that came, came to the city in uh, the early... Uh, to mid-1800s, there was Gottlieb, Gustav, and Christian Christ. And Gottlieb, is that how you pronounce that? We're, Gottlieb? Yes. Gottlieb. We were 100%. Gottlieb. Gottlieb. Right. <laughs> I'm, not a, I'm not a German speaker. We'll go with it. That means God love. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. 
Uh, Gottlieb was uh, given the first city license to be a tavern keeper um, by the city of Grand Rapids. And then Gustav and Christian uh, uh, started working with Christoph Kusterer and then purchased, they kind of went off on their own and purchased uh, a building on Ottawa between Bridge and Hastings. And uh, Bridge here uh, was Michigan Street at the time. Okay, so they would have been up the, up the big division hill. Yes. Okay. Yep, yep. And then uh, this was a, a, a larger, much larger uh, building, but it uh, caught fire in 1873, and most of the building, or all of the building, um, depending on who you ask, kind of burned down in, in that fire. A lot of the early brewers lost uh, parts of their building due to fire. And I thought one thing was really interesting. The main source on the early, or the, the, the main record on early water, city-provided water, says that the fires in the 1870s and 1880s, kind of in the 1860s, kind of made the city or forced the city's hand into starting the Grand Rapids Waterworks. And so it sounds like a lot of these local brewers were like really influential businessmen within the city. And so they kind of petitioned the city to start the waterworks. And I thought that was a really interesting. We've got the the city providing water now. And part of that was due to the fires and breweries. There's, and I don't think most folks can can, can get into this space, but at the, the Coldbrook water facility, there is an old wooden pipe, and it's a really interesting thing to look at. I'm sure that it was dug up at one point during replacements, and I'm sure that there are probably many more feet oh, yeah. of old wooden pipes buried. You know, you needed to do what you needed to do. Yeah, yeah, they 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 used wooden wooden pipes far back there was there was two separate there was a Grand Rapids hydraulic company that provided water and then there was the Grand Rapids waterworks and they kind of battled each other for like the rights to to provide water to the city but a lot of that was due to these to these early brewery fires do we have any or do you have can you speculate on on why those fires may have taken place i'm sure that that there was no osha that there was no inspections yeah um well it was also right around the time of the great chicago fire as well right so you think maybe an ember blew over this way? Well, it was a, there was like a couple <laughs> years difference, but there were like widespread fires throughout western Michigan at that time too, from what I remember. Then everything at that time was, was made out of wood. Wood buildings, yeah. wood houses, wood sidewalks. Wood. You know, everything was and wood. And I'm guessing that it probably was most of the spaces were heated with wood as well. Is oh, that yeah. a fair statement yeah. or coal? Coal, probably. Mm. Sure. Wood or coal. Is there heat used in brewing? Do you have to heat up the... What's it called? A still. The That's water. Point. The water is boiled okay. um, to incorporate the the barley and the hops. I would imagine that that there you go process went awry. We've, sometimes we've pinpointed it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's no good. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not sure. There there was still fires. I saw one that was um, 1882, which was about six or so years after the Granite's waterworks started. And and the fire department at that time was kind of loosely organized, so they would they they were called fire companies, and they would kind of get a almost like a like a writ of permission from the city to organize as a fire company. And it wasn't until later on that the fire department really organized. At least that's my understanding of of that early organization. So you'd have neighborhoods that would say, "We we're, oh, yeah. we're looking to get a fire company, and and uh, here's your permission slip." In yeah. essence, yeah, hmm. okay. It's neat. The licensing part of 
liquor, I, I thought was kind of interesting. They at one point could, the city could sell a license to sell liquor, but then due to the state constitution, there was kind of prohibitions on, on licensing that. And so the, the first liquor license was $25 a year, but it was for bowling alleys and gaming houses, so like gambling. And then it was $20 a year on top of that for selling liquor on the premises. But in, by 1850, the state constitution forbid uh, licensing of liquor. And were folks just left with beer? At that point, or oh no, no, okay. they, they still, they <laughs> okay. still. I was, it was. I mean, it was very hard to regulate. There was an early prohibition that was passed in Michigan in 1853. It was called the Maine Liquor Law, and that was Maine after the named after the state where it was first kind of enacted, and it forbid alcohol, uh, all alcoholic beverages except for medicinal, mechanical, and manufacturing. And I wasn't sure what mechanical or manufacturing was. I don't know if there was like an ethanol generator out there somewhere yeah, or something like a, that. That's a really good question. Medicinal, that's easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a catch-all, right? Right. But mechanical and manufacturing, uh, perhaps they needed it as a solvent to yeah, evaporate yeah, quickly. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, that could be. Perhaps paint or, or some sort of thinner. Yeah. But that uh, liquor law, so that was an early liquor law, liquor, um, law that forbid alcoholic beverages, but the Michigan Supreme Court found it unconstitutional. But that was widely disregarded. Albert Baxter, who wrote uh, a pretty thorough history on the early early Grand Rapids, said that people just kind of ignored it, that they still drank in the streets. They, th- he did write that uh, whiskey barrels were smashed and that liquor ran down the gutters of Monroe Street. <laughs> um, but I don't know how accurate that Eventually is. finding its way into the Grand River. Right. Yeah. By uh, 1876, there was 185 saloons in the city, and it was still a pretty small, pretty st- small city at the time. You said 1876. Yeah, 1876. Okay, we're looking at what a population of a, of a, in the thousands, under 10,000. Oh gosh, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm just that seems like a that's a large number for a yeah, high, oh, yeah. a a high per population. capita. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. Uh, as we dig into this, maybe we are more deserving of the Beer City title than <laughs> perhaps we realized. Uh, how much beer was being made uh, in the late 1800s? Oh, uh, I think 1,600 barrels I saw. No, 16,000. Yeah, by, uh, by 1875, the annual production was 16,000 barrels. Wow. To me, that seems like a decent amount for, you know. Yeah, so, oh yeah, yeah. So in 1880... A couple barrels a person. Oh yeah, yeah. In 1880... There was a tax on liquor dealers and brewers, and that amounted to twenty three thousand. Um, so that seems like a quite a significant amount sure, for that, that early. Yeah, especially when you're looking at a twenty five dollar a year fee or a twenty dollar right, a year fee. Right, it's pretty significant. So the population of Grand Rapids when it was established in 1850 was two thousand six hundred and eighty six. And it was 10.5 square miles by 1857. And then by 1870, Grand Rapids was a location, a desired location for immigrants with about 120 Swedes arriving to create a colony in a week. So I can only imagine that the population was only a little greater than 2,600. But yeah. still, that's that, that seems like a lot of taverns or saloons for, mm-hmm. yeah. for that little in 1859, there was 25 saloons. So in that short amount of time, it just seemed to, to balloon like crazy. I can see the saloon doors swinging right now. Yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> Wooden sidewalks, muddy roads. Right. Horses everywhere. I love it. Carriages. 
it looks like around around 2007 that that the state of Michigan as a whole produced just a bit under maybe 190 200,000 barrels of beer and uh around 2019 we're probably up around 1.4 million um, wow so that's that's pretty good and if we broke that down <laughs> into into the state population that was you know about a quarter gallon a person uh, wow. back in back in the 1880s and uh now we're around three and a half gallons a person if i've done my math right <laughs> and that is not a guarantee <laughs> but we've uh, significantly increased our, our brewing abilities I went to the uh, the Grand Rapids Public Museum had a um, prohibition exhibit a few years ago, and they broke down how many gallons uh, individual in the twenties and the late eighteen hundreds drank per week and per day, and it was a lot. <laughs> like it was significantly more. They they said that like some houses kept a barrel of cider outside. And that when they left for work, they would just dip their mug into the barrel of cider to take to work. Wow. Yeah. I've, I've heard thing, uh, that it was, even during Prohibition, it might have been legal to, to brew your own apple cider. If those apples you know, were, were around, you could just make your own cider. And, and it may or may or may not huh. have fallen under that umbrella of Prohibition. So, you know, get some of your medicinal uh, liquid and be on your way. Right. Also, maybe another cause of those fires. <laughs> right, right. And and some of that was, was due in part because the process that made it was thought to be more sanitary than just regular water. They didn't have a filtration plant back then or a wastewater plant, so the, all the water came from the same location, and so it wasn't the most hygienic source. I wonder how many people got sick from not just home-brewed, but brewery-brewed beer, because the steps that you have to take to uh, sterilize and sanitize bottles if you're bottling at home <laughs> is so tedious. It's it's hard to do. Yeah. Have you ever brewed uh yeah, I brewed two oh, beers wow, at, cool. in college, um, and we had to sanitize our own bottles at home. And wow. my roommates, when I did it, they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, don't worry about it. How did the beer turn out? It was really good. I actually still have a few bottles of it. Oh, the, oh, cool. wow. the first one we did was an Irish red that we named Scarlet. And our second beer was a spiced apple ale that we named Crimson. Appropriate. They're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> that's That's cool. It was fun. I'm sure they didn't have that much regulation back then on sanitizing oh, uh, no. the bottles and stuff. So I'm sure lots of people were sick. I mean, influenza was a, was big back then, and it, regulations know. for anything, right, 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 beer. right. So the early prohibition in, in 1853, after the the main liquor law was struck down, uh, how did the process of both brewing and also temperance movements start to to expand and connect? So the the temperance movement in the city kind of ebbed and flowed. Groups would would form. Uh, one of the first was in 1842 called the Washingtonians, and uh, Lucius Lyon was actually its president. And then uh, I I found an interesting fact: uh, John W. Pierce was a member of that uh, the Washingtonians, and he was the first bookstore owner in Grand Rapids, but also the first bookstore owner in Michigan outside of Detroit. So I thought that was a really interesting, but uh, he was a temperance uh, uh, supporter. And but then the um, liquor and, and dealers and the brewers 
and kind of the wholesale sellers, it, it doesn't seem like they concern themselves that much with the movement at first. They kind of widely ignored it, um, the, that first early prohibition. The state reenacted uh, kind of a more of a widespread prohibition in 1855, which forbade the, um, or forbid the manufacture and sale of liquor. But they couldn't really enforce it. Um, people were, were openly, like, opening taverns and <laughs> selling beer. Just flaunting their Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, one of the temperance movements kind of tried to petition the city council to do more to support it. Um, I found uh, one that had a committee made up um, entirely of women that petitioned the city to try and toughen that enforcement. And that kind of harkens back to the connection between the temperance movement and suffrage, how they were kind of hand-in-hand in in some parts. But then once the city actually started to kind of toughen toughen up on enforcement of the prohibition, the liquor dealers kind of gathered together to start forming associations one source said that the first secret society in Grand Rapids was a, a liquor dealer's organization, or a brewer's organization. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> One thing that I, I'd like some clarification on, we, we use, uh, so it seems that a lot of these rules were against liquor. Uh, did that exclude or include the beer and hard cider maybe outside of your front door? I think it included. Okay. Yeah. Maybe not cider. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if they had like a based on alcohol content or something like that. I don't even know if alcohol content was known back then. Yeah. Someone knew what it was. Right. Like the, the, the guy who tried to make it up Fountain yeah. Hill, he knew that <laughs> right, it was too right, much. Right. But then by 1875, the, the temperance movements kind of, kind of died out and they kind of asserted that it wasn't working because everyone was just flaunting the, the rule. And so they thought that taxing the liquor would be more effective. And so that's when the state of Michigan enacted the Liquor Tax Law of 1875, which uh, repealed that early 1855 prohibition. And uh, one thing that I uh, thought was was interesting, that the taxes they placed on liquor was solely on the retailers and dealers and makers and not on the purchasing of the beer. They didn't have a sales tax. You know, what we know now is sin taxes weren't around because sale taxes weren't really around and that those those came more in the 1930s. So the cost was mostly passed on to the consumer, in essence? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The... Um, for retail dealers, the tax was $40 per year, but then brewers, it could be anywhere from $50 to $300. Would that be um, dependent on volume? Probably. Okay. Probably like it is now. Um, and then uh, 150 for spirit uh, liquor makers, and then wholesale uh, spirit sellers, it was $300 a year. So there was there was a quite a range of producers. You've got your retailers, your brewers that would also probably wholesale mm-hmm. to some extent or sell in their tavern, um, and then spirit liquor? And then wholesalers. Yeah. So there's quite a, quite a range of people involved yeah. in this, what's the becoming process, an industry. Yeah. And then I'm sure the bottlers, once once they started bottling, um, I'm, sure, I'm sure that added in. So the inflation calculator online only goes back to 1913, but $300 in 1913 is almost $8,000 today. So that was quite a hefty yeah, I'm, tax I'm sure. that they were paying. How much was a glass of whiskey? Um, because what if the glass of whiskey in inflation a, dollars would have be been a nickel? like, I don't know. but now maybe it would have been a $50 glass. So proportionally it wouldn't have been so bad. 
How much do we think that a glass of beer would have cost back then? Beer, um, or, beer or whiskey? Beer. Well, beer. I, I, I would say it's pretty comparable. I mean, I'm maybe even less. I back would say then. a nickel. Yeah, I, w- Let's I would do. What is a nickel in 1913 dollars? A dollar thirty-one. Oh, that's a fair price. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. I would pay that. <laughs> that's very cheap. I think yeah. that's a great deal. Yeah. If they paid back then what we pay now for a cheap glass of beer, which is around six bucks, that's one hundred and fifty-six dollars. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, I'm not sure who to thank for that. Perhaps volume, economies of scale. Yeah, probably economies of scale. Okay. Well, thanks, economies of scale. Yeah. And <laughs> great spring water. Right. Right. So uh, we kind of had fits and starts of prohibition in, mm-hmm. in in the 1850s, and then later in the 1850s, and then 1875, uh, we started taxing. Where did we go from there? Um, from there, um, they kind of went back and forth on kind of the particulars of allowing liquor. The The church organizations were, were fairly against selling liquor. And so like Sundays, they, they couldn't open taverns. Uh, I found that uh, saloons were required to close on election days, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really interesting. And they, they were kind of limited in what they could do. Um, so the, the liquor dealers, to kind of promote themselves, organized the, um, the protective order of liquor dealers. And it's kind of an association, kind of like, a, like an early uh, Michigan licensed beverage association or a, a brewer's association or something like that. So they gathered together to kind of petition to the city leaders to provide more lenience and, and such things. So they were lobbying for their, yeah. for their business. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think, and I can only think of, I'd imagine everyone can only think of uh, saloons being closed on election days because of bribing by politicians <laughs> or, or, you know, buying around and sending folks down to the local precinct. Uh, I can't imagine that would have been any other way back in <laughs> right. the 1870s. I but. mean, that that was the norm back to the days of the founders sure. where you would have to buy a round of beer for your voters uh, uh Famously, James Madison lost his first election because he refused to to play that game and refused to buy everybody beer and and so that's a really great story. Yeah, yeah. Um, he came back. He came yeah, back, he did. Uh, yeah. Probably with two rounds. Yeah, the yeah. Next time. Yeah, he learned his lesson. Good. One one thing I thought was really interesting too was that 1887 statute was passed in the state that forbid saloons to sell liquor within one mile of the Michigan Soldiers' Home. Which is now the the veterans home, correct? Yeah, yep. And I looked; it was pretty pretty short. So I wonder why it was such a specific statute that forbid it. But uh, one could imagine that even in in the eighteen eighties, soldiers still suffered from some form of PTSD. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. And and that could have been maybe a way to to try to help without knowing what the real causes were to right. maybe help soldiers. Right. Yeah, if they were struggling with that, they, they could have been a, a measure to protect them in sure. some way. Uh, and the city still has fairly specific rules about, about where alcohol sales can go and can't go. There was, uh, in 1887, there was also another vote to start prohibition again. 
within the state, and Grand Rapids voted by a margin of 4,876 votes against the measure, and the measure was defeated in the state by a margin of 5,645 votes. So Grand Rapids, in large part, was the was the reason that that prohibition law did not go into effect. Do you know off the top of your head roughly what populations would have been? Detroit obviously would have been significantly bigger. Was Jackson... Uh, becoming a force was Lansing coming into into play, or is this too outside of our local history? In 1870, the Michigan population was sorry. In 1880, Michigan's population was one million six hundred thirty six thousand nine hundred thirty seven. Um, in 1880, Kalamazoo was almost twelve thousand. Jackson was just over sixteen thousand. Wow. Grand Rapids was thirty two thousand. Detroit, 116,000. And then Lansing was way down at the bottom of this list at 8,319. They're well below Flint, Ipsy, Battle Creek, Muskegon, Adrian, Adrian even. And Adrian's, I mean, it's a decent size now, but. Is it? (laughs) it, I was, I went to Adrian for the first time um, two years ago, and I was pleasantly surprised by the size of it and how much is actually there. My only dislike of of those areas, Jackson, Adrian, is that it makes a lot of sense to take I-94 there. And in my opinion, I-94 is just one of the worst highways. It's terrible. Just the worst. And so I just don't go. I just take 127 to Jackson so that I can avoid yeah. 131 South yeah. to 94 because it's a mess. The worst. Yes. I don't, I don't think I've ever been over there. No don't, good. Don't just avoid it. Just avoid <laughs> it. I was going to say there's no good reason, but oh. there probably is a good reason. Just don't take 94. Okay. Yeah. We love all our okay. our, our cities and towns yeah. and villages in yeah. the state. That's just, great. Just if you have to go to like uh, Ipsy or Ann Arbor, just take 96 the whole way. Okay. Yeah. You'll be you'll be glad you did. Cool. Yeah. Cool. By uh, 18. Uh, yeah, by 1889, uh, saloons were required to be closed on all holidays, um, but a lot of the saloons in Grand Rapids just disregarded that rule and, and stayed open. I imagine on uh, St. Patrick's Day and Fourth of July. Fourth of July. Yeah, uh, I, I did see a note of, on Fourth of July that that was one of the major ones that they flaunted the rules. I can imagine. When did fireworks start? Oh, I'm not sure. When did that go into effect? The um, being able to do fireworks. Oh, I'm talking like oh yeah, no fireworks um, that shoot way up. We may not find an answer to that one. Was it the celebration of the grand? That was the precursor to uh, the next time I ask a question, I'll try to have some <laughs> some basic general knowledge. Sorry, I don't have an answer for you. That's okay. One of life's great mysteries. N- uh, to us, someone somewhere is shouting. Right. In their car, <laughs> banging on the steering wheel. Yeah. Um, shoot us an email. Grand Rapids Local History Podcast at gmail.com. Tell us when the fireworks started. We'd love to hear from you. Oh, wait. Scratch that. Do not email us this answer. Don't do it. Just um, as it. Okay. Well, maybe it's not the origination because this says 2004, and I feel like it would have started before that. But it's on historygrandrapids.org, so I don't know. Huh. So we almost had an answer. Almost. I, I remember going downtown early, yeah, early on and seeing fireworks. But yeah. East Grand Rapids also had fireworks as well. I did not go to those. No. I I think we should at some point talk about why there is an East Grand Rapids. Yeah, and yeah. why there is a Walker. That'd be a that'd be an interesting Explore interesting that. topic. No. Grand Rapids Township. 
just say hello to our neighbors. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll do that. So uh, saloons were required to were finger quote required yeah. <laughs> to close on all holidays uh, in in basically 1890. And so we had a few years before the 18th Amendment, the Prohibition yeah. Amendment came into into effect. How, how did we do during those 30 years? Um, lots of drinking. Uh, <laughs> Taxes were, yeah. were flowing in. Yep, yep. It it became it became a real problem, and the temperance movement really grew. I think people just went a little uh, a little too crazy, and the Michigan actually started to go in the direction, and a lot of states did started to go in the direction of prohibition prior to the to the Eighteenth Amendment. Michigan voted in I, I I think I saw in nineteen sixteen that they put a vote to the people for prohibition and. Um, it passed, uh, and I, I saw that uh, seven of the twelve wards uh, voted to become dry. That With, was the, within Grand Rapids. Yep. Yeah. So we had twelve wards at one point. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Okay. The, the wards changed. There was there was like five, then there was eight, and then there was twelve. And now we're now at three. We're three. Yep. Okay. And that do you think those changes came about just because of geographical things, such as uh, one ninety six and one thirty one, or or was there more to it than that? There was there was more time. I mean, the 196 and 131 that that was in the 60s, and all the changes were 19 teens. Okay. Um. So quite early. So I'm, population was was a part of it in the in the early um, 20th century. There was a huge influx of of people, um, and so that necessitated the changing of the ward structure. Kind of rebalancing. Um. There there was also um. Um, some business interests that that pushed for for that change in awards, and then the previous changes were just changes in the city charter um, and and stuff like that. Okay. When and then when Grand Rapids annexed, um, they went through a period where they they annexed um, large portions of of from around the city, and so that necessitated the uh, adding on of wards and stuff like that. Okay. So seven of the twelve were were for the yeah, prohibition. Yeah, yeah, were for for prohibition. It's a strong majority. Yeah, and so, um, but then, the Eighteenth Amendment was passed, um, and it became enforceable uh, by, in 1920, um, and that was um, the act that made it enforceable was the Volstead Act. That was that was um, what it was called. It was formally the National Prohibition Act. Um, but in Grand Rapids, 160 bars closed. Um, I read that uh, uh, 8,400 workers were uh, affected. Can you imagine if 160 bars closed today? I can't imagine 8,000 workers working in 160 bars. That must have... Yeah, that, I mean, uh, yeah. the level How does of that... service would have been impeccable, I would imagine. How does that divide well, between... That, that's only 52 and a half people per bar. And I feel like per shift, that's... Right. That's not like too unheard of. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna still think that they people. just had really great service. Probably. And, and I'm. And I'm. I'm guessing that some of those workers were worked in the breweries and sure and bottling such. and distribution. Um, yeah. The the source that was that was uh, from M Live. They they didn't denote whether that was solely bar bar staff, but I imagine that it was both. That's a lot of bars. It is. So I think we can all agree on yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I found some evidence that the um, prohibition 
in the 1920s, and it, and it lasted up until uh, 1933, found some evidence that it was successful. They, they cited that there was not much violence, there wasn't seemingly a lot of organized crime, there was, there was still lots of violations of the liquor law, lots of drunken driving arrests. The, in in the, our mugshot book, the largest offenses were drunken driving and violation of liquor law. That was a lot of people getting arrested for that. When you say there was not much violence, I feel like that was pointed out for a reason by uh, the author of that article, implying that somewhere there was a lot of violence. Do you know that to be the case? Yeah, well, they they said that there was no violence, and and I am a little dubious of that, um, just because if if there were police raids, and we know that there was police raids, they would have had to have some altercations. Sure, um, things just don't solve themselves right, in, right. in that tense situation. Right. I found one. There was a lot of home brewers that were arrested for violation of liquor law. I found one in the mugshot book, Rose Akimos, who was arrested in 1928. She had a police raid on her house, and she was uh, arrested and charged with a felony for violation of the liquor law. And they found a gallon of moonshine whiskey, 20 gallons of mash, and two complete stills. Seems like a lot. She was fairly set up. Yeah, oh yeah. (laughs) Wow. Uh, she, She was unmarried, lived alone. I have the address here. I don't know if I should read that. Let's not. Let's just say okay. the street name. Okay. Yeah. She she lived on uh, Sterling Avenue. I thought that was an interesting oh, another uh, north northwest cider. Yeah, northwest side west of the cider city. in the business. But yeah, the the press that and most of that information came from a press article. The the press detailed every bust that the the police made. Lots of interesting stories. Some and the the police record was also a little interesting because sometimes it listed the Volstead Act as the offense. Sometimes it listed violation of liquor law. Sometimes it listed um, like public in intoxication stuff like that because the prohibition didn't necessarily preclude someone from drinking alcohol just the manufacture and selling of alcohol. And so if they were caught manufacturing it or if they were caught selling or buying it, but if they were... But you could hang out with a pint, in theory. In theory, theory. yeah, and and you could be drunk, but but then they would... Arrest you for public intoxication. Arrest you for public intoxication. And probably want to know where you got it from. Right, yeah. And if you said Rose, she was very upset. (laughs) Yeah, she was, yeah. But uh, yeah, drunk driving was a big problem. The Grand Rapids was still changing the way that its streets handled automobiles. Previously, the the streetcar lines only had to share the road with horse-drawn carriages and pedestrians. And so they weren't. They they widened streets, you know, they widened division and, and took off a good seven or so feet from the east side of the street uh, to allow cars to drive on either side of the uh, streetcar line. And Lake Drive is, is wide for that reason as well. Yeah. I'm sure yeah, there are yeah. a handful of others. Yeah. Fulton was widened. Lots of lots of streets had to have that uh, procedure done, and this was specifically for the streetcars, or to it was to accommodate the vehicles, the vehicles yeah, around the streetcars that were that were incoming. Okay, okay, because yeah. because those started coming in the the I mean they started in what like nineteen fourteen nineteen thirteen with Ford's Model T, but widespread use was the nineteen twenties nineteen thirties. When did they stop using streetcars in Grand Rapids? That I believe they took out in thirty six. They, they were kind of unsure what they were going to do. In 
26, they shifted the, the streetcar lines, so they dug up the tracks and, and shifted them to kind of accommodate vehicles, and then in 1936, they just took them out. But that was a remarkable streetcar system. Oh, yeah. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah it went. Was it nationally recognized, or was it just oh. a commonplace in most cities um, at that time? I'm not sure. I'm not sure what kind of... Uh, I know that they had trials and demonstrations before huh. they picked the streetcars, and we have some old footage of streetcars cool. driving by. Can't tell much because it's very old footage, yeah. <laughs> but there they were. That's cool. That's great. That's I wonder cool. if people would still, if, if those were still in the city, if people would choose those over the buses or how effective they would be for public transportation. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. They're, they weren't underground at all, so there was, it was not a subway. It was right. solely, mm-hmm. solely on the street. They were um, very popular, and I, I feel like this is one of those topics that comes up every now and again on yeah. a decently regular basis. Yeah. Why don't we yeah. have the streetcars? Right. They're popular in San Francisco. I've ridden the, the streetcar lines on in San Francisco. Those are fun. Like the theme song to Full House. They're riding, there's a streetcar in the, in the video. I've, I've never yeah. seen Full yeah. House. What? Yeah. Wow. Is it about a full house? What? <laughs> <laughs> and streetcars. Yeah. It sounds great. This is amazing. I don't know that I've been more shocked I about am. anything. And we just learned wow. that a gal was arrested for, for moonshine. That's surprising. But uh, You know who the Olsen twins are, right? Like Mary, Mary and Kate? <laughs> we'll give it to you. Yeah, Mary, Kate, and Ashley. Ah, okay. Bob, Bob Saget. I've heard of Bob Saget. Dave Coulier? No, I don't know who Dave Coulier. Okay, that's all right. I think I could pick Bob Saget out of a lineup. Cut it out. (laughs) This is remarkable. (laughs) I know you're getting an Amazon gift shipped to your house. (laughs) It will not be the full house. But VHS. I'm not going to spend the money on the DVDs. Okay, okay. Wait, John Stamos? No, I don't know who John Stamos is. This... Personally, this makes me feel amazing because I don't have a pop culture history, and um, I, I grew up without a television for for many years. And and when we did have a television, you know, we would rent a VHS tape or a VHS tape and a VHS player from the library, uh, which was great. We had a, a big field in the backyard. What else do you want to do? You know, go and play. Um, so I feel like my pop culture knowledge is is not as great as others. You just made me feel really, really bad. Yeah, my, my pop culture reference is limited to uh, history, if that's pop culture. You, to will, some. Oh, you can have it. Yeah, we'll give cool. it to you. It's yours. We'll okay. give it to you. Thank you. And, and per, I, I don't think that so Full gracious. House is that great. I, I beg to differ. The remake <laughs> is not very good. They remade it. Fuller House. Which I don't oh. like from a grammatical standpoint. Yeah. Call it I a... I could see that. More... Full house? Yeah. yeah. I'm not sure. I don't know. I think I'm nitpicking. A house with an abundant amount of people? Yes. Um, be a long title? Yes. <laughs> um, a we can't afford a bigger place because yeah. we live in San Francisco, <laughs> I think. That was terrific. Nice tangent. Thank you. So, 1920 to 1930-ish. Yeah. People are drinking and driving. In in no way is that acceptable. My guess is that there was also a learning. It would, would have been different than driving a horse or operating a horse, riding a horse, guiding. I'm not sure yeah, the, yeah. The, the correct terminology on that one. Can your pop culture catalog help me out? 
I knew, I know that like driving back then was a lot more difficult. There was a lot more that you had to do. You know, everything was stick shift, but it was the kind of stick shift where you had to have your hands busy at all times. So I don't know, they, they weren't drinking and driving. It, it sounds like they were drinking at the bar and then driving home. It, it was more common back then, and it took a long time for society to collectively agree that that was a, a, a very bad thing. Um, one of the most successful campaigns in history was the Don't Drink and Drive campaign. It was, there's hundreds and hundreds of arrests in the mugshot book of, of people. Um, and they were everyday people, and that's, that's just what they did. Um, I mean, you could, you could go to a uh, drive-in restaurant like a Sonic and order a beer, that, that's how normal it was. And this was not in the 1930s. This would have been later in life, correct? Yeah, this was up, up until 40s. 1940s. Yeah. Okay. yeah, 50s. Okay. Yeah, and, and and so, and again, in by no stretch of the imagination are we contoning drinking and driving, but in the 1930s, the roads were dirt. The cars had 10 horsepower. Um, you're going 10 miles an hour. By the 1940s mm-hmm. and 50s, the interstate starts coming about, right. and, and you're moving, mm-hmm. and, and it's... You know, it, to mm-hmm. me, it's exponentially more dangerous yeah. than it is by driving around town. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think there would have been a lot of education and realization on folks' parts. That, hey, yeah. this is yeah. this was not good then. This is getting even worse now. Right, right. So in nineteen uh, in nineteen twenty, prohibition was was enforceable. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when did that end? That was a period of time that saw a lot of bootlegging especially on the east side of the state, you, yeah. you you alluded to some activities happening on this side of the state. Do you know any specifics? I don't. Uh, I know that um, I, I read some indication that the Monarch Club on the northwest side of town mm-hmm. had a speakeasy on the second floor. And so they were they were pretty prominent in that early bootlegging and, and bringing in alcohol from... Um, probably Canada. And I'm, I'm sure that such activity went on in Lake Michigan. In in the east side of the state, it was all coming Lake Erie and... Canada. Yeah. Across the, the yeah. Detroit River. Yeah. There's a lot of anecdotal stories that folks tell in on the east side of the state where, you know, <laughs> in Algonac, there's a bar with a bullet hole that Al Capone right. himself shot. And uh, I don't I don't necessarily doubt it, but maybe... Maybe he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe a few decades ago, that guy's dad was a bad carpenter. I, f- I found one source that said that El Capone had lent money to someone in Grand Rapids to start a like a brewery. I, I d- it wasn't a super credible source, so I didn't uh, write it down. But uh, I thought that was an interesting uh, diversifying bit of his legend, his investments. Right. So for thirteen or so years, prohibition was there it was its thing yeah what what happened uh so it was eventually uh, repealed in 1933 and that was the 21st amendment repealing the 18th amendment uh i'm i'm not sure why they they ended prohibition uh, it was the great depression and it it could have been a measure to kind of give the economy a boost yeah we need um, consumers yeah could have been a measure to make people feel better about the economy. Um, Anheuser and or Bush may have lobbied. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure that was definitely part of it. Crime is is often cited as a reason for, for ending prohibition because it increased organized crime exponentially. 
that's an interesting facet I didn't think I would I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah, yeah. So organized crime said, "Hey, there's still a need here. Right. We're filling a void." Yeah. And one way to get it to get in in front of that is to say, "Okay, we'll, we'll take your illegal revenue and mm-hmm. make it legal, tax it." Yeah. It, it seems like a a familiar theme sometimes. Right. Yeah. 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 Definitely. And that was one of the arguments that was used. Um, in the past, they realized that in in the early eight, or the the late eighteen hundreds, for the earlier prohibition, they realized that it wasn't effective, and so they went back to went to taxing it. And so it seems like now they realize that it wasn't very effective, and they went back to taxing it. Wikipedia doesn't tell me why it was amended, but President Roosevelt issued a proclamation following the passage and said, I trust in the good sense of the American people that they will not bring upon themselves the curse of excessive use of intoxicating liquors to the detriment of health, morals, and social integrity. The objective we seek through a national policy is the education of every citizen towards a greater temperance throughout the nation. Wow. He had a lot of faith. Yeah. It sounds like I didn't read too much into it, but John D. Rockefeller is mentioned in this article hmm. as well and maybe had a, as a part of... proponent? Yes. Okay. Interesting. Wait, no. Well, he said in a letter, and I think it was to the federal government, when prohibition was introduced, I hoped that it would be widely supported by public opinion and the day would soon come when the evil effects of alcohol would be recognized. I have slowly and reluctantly come to believe that this has not been the result. Instead, drinking has generally increased. The speakeasy has replaced the saloon. A vast army of lawbreakers has appeared. Many of our best citizens have openly ignored prohibition. Respect for the law has been greatly lessened, and crime has increased to a level never seen before. Wow. So from Rockefeller's perspective, it was almost a, we just give up. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of crime increasing due to alcohol, but if people started to be arrested and charged for drinking and driving or for violation of the liquor law, that could have forced their hand and increased recidivism so that they would continue breaking the law. Right. And that would affect their employment. And so it it could have been a vicious cycle. And no one wants to see crime rates go up. Right, right. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, in, in Grand Rapids, um, after the after prohibition was repealed, the first liquor license uh, was granted, and it was uh, granted to Earl and Marie Kuhn, who had opened the Cottage Sandwich uh, Shop in 1927, and they renamed it the Cottage Bar. And that was upon the repeal? Yep. Yeah, that was right after, in in 1933, when it was repealed. So the Cottage Sandwich Shop uh, was open for six years, got its first liquor license, Mm -hmm. and has not gone away. Same location? Yep. Wow, that's really neat. I, I think, I think it's the same location. So yeah, just right there on Fulton and LaGrave, right in right in town. Yeah, uh, what a rich history! Mm-hmm. And it sounds like their business did okay. I mean, they were open for six they, years. Yeah, they were open for quite a while. So clearly, their sandwiches were at least decent. Right, right. <laughs> what about brewing? Did brewing come back? Yeah, brewing brewing did come back. Um, and the uh, the location of the Grand Rapids Brewing Company that establishment closed as soon as prohibition. Hit. So this, this was the one on Michigan, Michigan and, and Lyon. Was it Michigan and Michigan Ionia? Michigan Ionia. Yep. Okay. Um, so it was, a, it was a really tall building, very noticeable, and and that was the building was still there once they left. That it was actually really cool. The cornerstone of the building 
when it was built, the founders, the the six brewery founders that started the Grand Rapids Brewing Company, put a time capsule in the cornerstone, and it contained like historic photos of all their early breweries and staff photos and stuff like that, and they donated it to the Grand Rapids Public Museum, and so that uh, collection is online for people to to view. Wow! Yeah, it's really cool. Time capsules. Yeah, <laughs> they're 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 great every fifty years. I right, feel like, right. Once they're buried, you don't think about it. Yeah, yeah. And then fifty years right. later, they forgot about this it. This is magic. Yeah, they <laughs> forgot about it until uh, the building was demolished. Nice. So that that building stayed there, and then it was occupied by another smaller brewery for about five or so years. Um, I can't remember what the name of that one was. But then uh, the Fox Brewing Company, the Fox Deluxe Brewing Company, moved into that location. And that was a big nationwide brewer, very renowned. Um, And so they moved in in the 1940s. And then? Uh, Then they closed, and that building was eventually demolished in 1964, uh, for urban renewal. Sure, yep. sure. Yeah, it was in that uh, it was in that area, that whole okay. North Monroe area that was. So we didn't just lose City Hall. There was some other historical oh, yeah. spaces. Yeah, 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 and that was that was definitely one of them. Condition wise, I would imagine it wouldn't have been in that great of shape. Yeah, I mean, it was built in the 1895 time frame, so it was it was fairly old at that point. Okay. And it, it had suffered fires sure. as well. And that was the low, the state of Michigan office building location. So how many breweries do we have now? Oh, gosh. I'm, not, I'm not sure. No, I don't. I'm sure it's a lot. Yeah. I'm sure. Twelve. Just twelve? That's a guess. In Grand Rapids? Yeah, I'm just guessing. Well, technically there's only one. Oh. Ha-ha. By macro brew definition. Yeah. <laughs> okay. How many micro breweries are there? I don't know. Oh, so you you asked the question? Oh, not, yeah, not I don't knowing. I don't know the answer. I was hoping somebody <laughs> else knew it. Okay, uh, one of those great mysteries. That I I think like how, every, how do we every, find that out? Yeah, just go to a mall. That's the only uh, the only way. According to Pure Michigan, there is a uh, Beer City Ale Trail. That sounds cool. I don't know how far it goes, um, and I think that part of this. Especially if it if it encompasses the the beer passport, like the Brusaders passport. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There are over eighty in there, but that also includes stuff in like Comstock Park, um, oh. uh, Byron Center. Byron Center doesn't okay. count. Granville. Yeah, that's, doesn't, that's uh, not Grand Rapids. Doesn't Kentwood. Count. Yeah, that's Greater Grand Rapids. So yeah. I don't. And is it really that great? Right. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Okay, so there are forty plus in the passport. So. If there are 40 in the passport and those encompass Greater Grand Rapids, I'm not sure how many. It's maybe around 12 to 20, somewhere around and there. Some of them aren't even original. So, like, the Knickerbocker, because right. that originated in Holland. Right. Um, Jolly Pumpkin, that's Traverse City. Oh, I didn't know that. Uh, I think Hopcat still brews. I didn't know that. But they're all show. I don't know if you could call them national, but right. they're out in Nebraska now. Regional, certainly. Oh, well. Yeah. Greater, greater Grand Rapids. I kind of want to, I don't know how many I can think of off the yeah. top of my head. There's Harmony. I know. No, that's close to my house. Um, Elk, Founders, City Belt, Grand Rapids, Hopcat. East West Brewing. Brewery Vivant. Oh, yeah. Is Brass Ring a brewery now? Yes. Or is that just oh, a restaurant? In Elder Heights? Yeah. It's a brewery. Okay. Um, yeah, I forgot about Elder Heights. I mean, Jolly Pumpkin, if you want to count that. Yeah. You'd count that. Does Knickerbocker brew in their restaurant space? Yes. Yep. It's 11. 
11 breweries that we can count. And Cedar Springs is is, is bringing one yeah. oh, well. to the, the, the west side, the Bridge Street Oh, area. Mitten, does the Mitten brew, or is that just pizza? They brew. So as it stands, did 12? we just 12. count 12? Yeah, that's pretty good. I think that's this a is pretty good we, guess. That this was... is where we start trailing off and end this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you guys want to know how ABV is calculated? What's I think ABV? it's kind of cool. Do you know what ABV is? I do know that it's alcohol by volume. I do yeah. not know how it's calculated, although it's a fancy thing. It's a fancy little glass tool, correct? Glass tool or there's like an electronic one. Mm-hmm. It's called a hydrometer. Tell us about the, the, the glass version. The glass version? Okay. So ABV is alcohol by volume, and it's measured by gravity. Um, so basically what you do after you uh, get your ingredients combined before the fermentation process starts you take the liquid and you put it in a hydrometer tube to the uh, um, close to the top, about two inches from the top, and then you put your hydrometer in, which hmm. looks kind of like a thermometer, and you look at where the liquid intersects the markings on the hydrometer, and you take that number down. And then once your beer has fermented and it's aerated and everything, it's called wort, W-O-R-T. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> um and you uh, measure that one after it's done fermenting. Huh. Uh, so then you subtract the original gravity, so your first measurement, from the final gravity. Multiply the number by 131.25. Don't ask me why. <laughs> and the resulting number is your uh, alcohol percent or ABV. So if wow. you have a beer that's like 5.5%, that's the ABV. Oh, well, okay. Um, Wort also, for the record, does not taste very good. It's not carbonated. It hasn't been bottled yet, so it's just pure, mucky, muddy beer. Like all the all the malt and like grains oh. and hops are so still. So the name is very deceiving. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a work in progress. It has potential. That's what my teachers said about me. Do they say you have potential? W- w- You're do, the wart. Do, do they say like wart and all? <laughs> I think people do say yeah, that, yeah, and that's, that's, I, that's I believe funny. what it means. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing that we didn't touch on, which I just remembered just now, is that there are quite a few hops farms in the area. Oh, wow. And uh, I learned this when I, I did a package, a story a few years ago on when we have the really hot summer. I was curious as to if our apple crops were hmm. affected and if that would affect like cider mills and cider production and stuff like oh, that. Right. So I interviewed the owner of um, Robinette's and West Michigan because of where we are along the lakeshore and then the same in Canada on hmm. the east side of Ont- Lake Ontario, Huron, mm-hmm. um, prime fruit growing that's oh. why we have the Traverse City cherries. That's huh. why we have so many apple orchards. That's why we have hops down here. Whoa. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I think any any diversification in agriculture is great for the state. I, uh, yeah, hemp is 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 also now becoming legal and becoming a more popular yep. cash mm-hmm. crop. Obviously, it doesn't need it's not as picky, which is one of the things yeah. that's great about it. I like Robinettes. They've got a nice uh, cherry wine. That's or apple wine, yeah. or maybe yeah. apple cherry. Apple cherry wine. Ah. Yeah. What's everybody's favorite beer? Doesn't have to be from Grand Rapids. My all-time favorite, which has been since before it became the nation's favorite, Bell's Two Hearted. I don't drink it that often, so I like Bell's Two Hearted. It's a it's a big beer. It has a relatively high ABV, as we've uh, mm. talked about, but it's tasty. It's delicious. I like this uh, 
Canadian Belgian beer, La Fin du Monde, I think it's called, which means at the end of the world. And it's really good. I like it. I like Short Soft Parade, which is a pretty popular beer, but it's really refreshing, especially the shandy in the summer. Oh, wow. Shandies are good. I, yeah. like, I like that. Any final words, Jess? Nothing. All right. Um, I, I think that the thing I was most surprised about today was the full house thing. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Quite a relevant re- revelation. Really surprised. N- not judging. Because again, is it on Netflix or uh, I have a I have a gap in pop culture as well. I don't know if uh, Hulu or Amazon. Hulu, it's on you're, Hulu. You're missing okay, nothing. Hulu, uh, you're, you're literally missing nothing. Um, I beg to differ. It was <laughs> a really big part of my childhood. Um, seriously, you don't nothing. No. No. If I watch the first episode of the first season and the last episode of the last <laughs> season, will I get the gist of the the show? Basically. Okay. Yeah. I will do that. That's. Tonight's homework. <laughs> I mean, there there are... That's imp- a great approach. <laughs> there are some things that if you were to watch that and then go and watch the sequel, you'd be like... Confused about. How did that happen? No. But You don't need to go there. Yeah, I don't think I'll... Uh, Just yeah. watch the pilot and you can call it okay, good. Okay, perfect. Or don't. Perfect. <laughs> Background noise. Is this, uh, is this where we end it? I think so. I think so, yeah. I don't even care anymore if we if we nail an ending. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I to don't. me, this has become a thing. Yeah, I think just trailing off is is the way to go. Trailing on off. Yeah, it's easier that way. Yeah, and okay. podcasts don't have to be perfect. Like I've never listened to a perfectly edited or perfectly scripted podcast right, before. Right, and we won't start. Yeah, I we know. won't start perfection in either of those categories. Although we could script something as as wonderful as War of the Worlds if we wanted to, but that sounds like a lot of work. Who's that? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> George, what, what is it? George 